Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Now, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and, and they can get one to you as we're going through. Joshua, in the last chapter, 23, and the first part of this chapter, we're not going to cover the whole chapter, has been rehearsing to the elders, to the leaders, to the judges of Israel, all the things that God has done for them. Since the time of Abraham, their beginning, when God spoke to him and drew him out, called him out from among the foreign gods, and called him to himself, revealed himself to Abraham, and how he delivered them from Egypt. He talks about crossing the Red Sea, about Jericho, and delivering them from the armies that were there in Canaan. And as he talks about this deliverance that took place through the nation, he, he, he's concluding his words to this people. Joshua has carried in his heart this nation. We're seeing that he's at the end of his life. He died at 110 years of age, and this is probably somewhere close to that. So he's at the end of his life, and these are his final words to the people. And, and I want to start in verse 14, chapter 24, verse 14, and go down to verse 22. Joshua says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers that your forefathers worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, catch this, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Joshua starts and he tells them, You need to fear the Lord. You need to serve him faithfully. And the idea of fear needs to be brought in the context because so many times we think fear is a bad thing. But you see, he started in context with showing how good God was to them. 
God has taken care of you. God has provided for you. God has delivered you. God has given you vineyards that you didn't plant, cities that you didn't build. God has taken care of you completely. He has done all this. And in that context now, fear. God, who created the heavens, the earth, and all that is in them, has been working on your behalf. Think about that. He is doing all that he can to take care of you. Have you ever been outside of the city, maybe in the desert or in the mountains? I remember years ago, I went with my brother and some friends and we went and climbed Mount Whitney. It's the tallest mountain in the continental United States. That sounds good. It doesn't even make the top 100 in the world. You know, the Himalayas got the, the market on that. But, I mean, it's, it's up there. And before we actually made it to the summit, you have to go past these 99 switchbacks that's just brutal because there's like no air up there. At least felt like no air to me. But there was this place where we got to set camp before we made the, the trek the next day to the summit. And as we set camp and we got our tents out there, in the middle of the night, nature called, and so I went outside. And as I stepped outside of the tent and I saw the stars, they were like a blanket. They were blinding. They were so bright. There was so many of them. I felt so small. I I felt a little bit scared. Recognizing that, oh my gosh, look at how huge and brilliant creation is. And the thought that the God who made this loves me, it produces fear. The right kind of fear, a holy fear, if you will. And it's in this context that Joshua says you need to fear God. You need to serve him faithfully. And he asks these people to make a choice if they're going to serve the gods that their forefathers served before Abraham or if they're going to serve the gods of the Amorites in the land that they're living right now. You need to make the choice what you're going to do. But my choice has been made, he says. For me, personally, and for my family, my household, we are going to serve Jehovah. The Lord God, the one who has revealed himself, the one who has taken care of us, the one who has provided for us, who has delivered us, the one who has gone before us, that's who I am going to serve. And this is very similar to the last words that Moses gave. In fact, turn there to the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Because you can see that the things that Moses said had stayed in the heart of Joshua. At the end of Moses' life, what could he tell these people but tell them to make the choice? At the end of Joshua's life, what can he do but urge these people to make the right choice? And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, Moses says, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you to, or beyond your reach. It is not an heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it 
nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. In other words, you know the truth. You have heard it. You've been with us as this nation. You've heard the law that God has declared to us, that he gave to Moses and now has given to you. It is near. It's right there. You know what it is, and so you know how to obey it. Verse 15, he says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are so many similarities between what Moses says and what Joshua says. He tells them that they have to make a choice. And you would think, what is the difficulty in this choice? There's blessing, there's cursing, there's life, there's death, prosperity, destruction. Is that a tough one? Is anyone having a hard time? Ah, I think I'll choose some destruction today. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. But the same warning that Moses gave, Joshua gives. Don't worship other gods. Don't turn away from them, but you need to to love the Lord your God. You need to choose to follow him. Choose this day. Make the right choice. You would think that that's a no-brainer. You would think that that was easy, no problem. We've seen what God has done. We know that he's real. We understand his truths. They're not difficult to understand. They're not far away. They're not lofty. You don't have to climb a mountain and meditate for weeks to to receive from him. They are near to you. They're even in your lips. You're able to, to read the things that he has given to you. You're able to understand. They're right there in your heart to obey them. You would think, then, what's the problem? How could you not follow? But we see in just the next book, in Judges, that there was a problem. And only in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him. In verse 10, it says, After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil 
in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtaroth. Joshua knew that these were going to happen. He mentioned it here. He also mentions it in verse 15. Throw away the other gods. They're going to be a trap. And in just one generation, boom, they fall. After warning, after warning, they didn't heed, they forgot, they didn't care, and they fell. And this is what's troubling me. And this is such an interesting way to end this book. This book that talks about conquest, a victory, entering into this land of promise, ends with a warning. Don't forget. Choose this day. Throw away the foreign gods. It ends with this warning, and, and the, the turmoil and the thing that I am struggling with, and, and we actually mentioned it a little bit um, talking Friday. I was talking with Amber and Dean and the young adults get together, and it was like, you know, one of, we looked at a, a video on evolution, but one of the things that was talked about is, you know, the problem really isn't people, so many people believe in evolution nowadays. The, the problem is a lot of people believe in God, but it makes no difference to their lives. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians and you can't tell by how they live. They live as if they were anybody else. They do the same things. They do the partying. They do the carousing. There is no mark of Christ upon their lives. But they say, well, I believe. And so there's this, this struggle. Well, wait a second. How can you believe and still live this way? And you see, that's what Joshua is dealing with here. These people tell him, we are going to serve the Lord just like you. We know, and they go and they rehearse all the things that God did from verse 16 down to verse 18 because he is our God. We know about this stuff. And what's Joshua's response in verse 19? You're not able to serve the Lord. No, you can't. Like, what do you mean I can't? And he, he clarifies that. He says, he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. In other words, he's not going to tolerate unholiness. And he's jealous. Have you ever known someone who is jealous? Have you ever gone out with someone who is jealous? When I was in high school, I was dating a girl, and she was jealous. And I remember I was playing my guitar in class because it was the 70s. And, <laughs> and it was an art class, and I was playing my guitar. And, you know, I, I don't remember what I was playing, like the Eagles or something. I, I don't know. I was playing the guitar, and there were some girls that were sitting around the table and some guys, and I was just kind of jamming and talking and just having a cool time. You know, it was pretty groovy. And <laughs> my girlfriend came walking in, and... She was in the class next door, and she came in, and she came up to me. She goes, hi. I go, hi, what's going on? She goes, well, we need to go right now, or I'm going to break your face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, excuse me. You know, 
And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, she's serious. And so I put the guitar away and I, I left because <clears throat> I was the man of that relationship. Uh, <clears throat> there is something about jealousy that doesn't want to see affection or any kind of interaction in an unhealthy jealousy shown to someone else. But there is a godly jealousy that says, I will not share you with another love. You see, I'm jealous of my wife. I, she, she belongs to me as far as her affection, as far as that relationship of intimacy. That, that's ours. I won't share that with anyone, and neither was she, and we shouldn't. And, and that's a good jealousy to have as opposed to unhealthy one. And you see, God is holy. In other words... He's perfect. First John says, in him is light, and there is no darkness at all. And he's not going to allow darkness in our lives to continue. And he's jealous. He's not going to allow us to, to hold on to another God or worship something other than him or be devoted to anything other than him. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And you see, that's what's happening. God is not going to share this love with the other gods. And so Joshua says, you can't serve the Lord. Why not? Because you're loving someone else. And as long as you're embracing them, you won't be embraced by God. And you would think, well, they just rehearsed all the things that God had done for them. They had just told how he had delivered them, how he had miraculously worked on their behalf. How could they then not serve him? Why would they? Well, the reason why is because what it said in John, because they loved the darkness. And you see, I was trying to, to figure out how do you put into understandable and just a way that you can relate people who know about God, who have grown up in church, know the scriptures, what they say, know the blessings, the cursings, know what is sin and what isn't sin. They, they have all the right information, but they still do these things. How does it happen? Well, they love those things. And see, this is important. You can know the right thing and love the wrong thing and make a wrong choice. Do you understand that? You can know the right things but love the wrong things. And that will lead you to make wrong choices because Jesus said you cannot serve two masters you will love the one and despise the other cling to the one and push away from the other you can't serve God and mammon or money or the material 
And so when Joshua says, you can't serve the Lord, well, as long as you love this, you can't serve this. Okay. We understand that. But what do you love? Because it's not enough to just understand. You have to love. And that's why even in verse 23, Joshua 23, or chapter 23, 11, he says, be very careful to love the Lord your God. What was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because if he has your heart, then he has you. If he has your mind, but something else has your heart, then you can't serve the Lord. You will turn away. He is holy. He is jealous. And you will turn away from him. And that's exactly what he says. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Why won't he forgive my rebellion and your sins? Because you won't let go of them. You're holding on to them. How can he forgive them when they are part of who you are? Now, here's the question, because this should make us a bit uneasy. This should challenge us. This should make us do a little introspective searching and ask ourselves, am I a hearer? I know, but I'm not doing. I'm not living. Does God have my attention, but not my heart? Have I given my intellect to him, and I, I come and I understand and I read and I study the Bible, but I am not devoted to him? Do I love something or someone else other than God? You see, we all have to stand where Joshua stood and said, as for me, as much as I have the ability and the people who are with me in my house, the Lord is the priority. We're going to serve him. We're going to be devoted to him. We're going to give of ourselves to him. Is that the case with us? It is better for you to understand and be aware if you love something else and deal with it than to be blind to it. And sometimes it takes a lot to get us to a place where we recognize what we love isn't good for us. That what we love is destroying us. I talked to a young man just yesterday who's been struggling with alcohol. And it has devastated his life for the last five years that I'm aware of. And talking to him yesterday, find out he just got a DUI. And things are serious. And he knows better. He's heard. He's had all the information. Why does he keep doing it? Because he loves it. Because he wants to. Because that's what he cares about. How do you get him to stop? Well, there's a saying that says people won't change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. 
People won't change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of the change. You know, there might come a time when finally he says, or finally we say, I can't do this anymore. It's killing me. That's what happened to the nation of Israel. They gave in, served other gods. They were taken over by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Romans. And they would get to the place where they would cry out to God and say, God, we recognize we have deserted you. We have left you. Nehemiah talks about rebuilding the wall and finding the law and saying, oh, gosh, look at how far we've come. When they found the law, they tore their clothes and they cried. And God said, don't cry. This is a good day. You found me again. Now you can serve me because you've seen and are hearing from me. If you come to the end, and you realize that what you love is killing you and you need to give it up. The pain of remaining the same is just too great. You need the change. You will find God is there. If you will let go of the embrace of what you love, he will indeed embrace you. Moses said, the choice is yours. I set before you blessing, cursing, life, death. Choose life. The choice is there, and God is always there for us. It's never too late to start doing what is right. It's never too late to start living for the Lord, serving Him. And even as I share this, I know that there are things in each of us that we are aware of that I need to let that go. Why haven't you? Well, I... You have to understand, you love it. You see, belief will get you to think about something, but love will get you to act on it. And some of us love to worry. Some of us love to complain. Some of us love to party. Some of us love to indulge in different areas. And we love it. And that's why we keep doing it. You say, how could you love to worry? It's become a familiar friend to you. It's where you find comfort. How can you find comfort and worry? Because you do it all the time and it becomes your friend. Or you love to complain and it's second nature. You can't talk without complaining. It's a part of who you are. Why? I love to. I do it all the time. I'm familiar with it, and we become fond of what we're familiar with. Or indulge in alcohol and drugs and, and sexual relations. Whatever it is, we indulge our flesh, even in food. Why? Because we love it. Because we want to. And until we're willing to recognize and call it what it is and choose to let it go. We can't serve the Lord. He's jealous. Doesn't mean he stops loving us. But if we won't let go, he can't hold on. And so we find ourselves in this place where we're confronted with a choice that each of us needs to make. And maybe even now 
the Spirit is ministering to you thoughts of what needs to change and, and areas that you love that you need to let go. And why has this been a part of my life for so long? Well, the truth is you love it. That's just the truth. Call it what it is so that you can deal with what it is. God knows what it is. God's not up there going, man, why do you always do that? I, I can't figure it out. He knows why, and he's telling us, you love it. So how do you make someone love something else? Have you ever liked someone and they didn't like you? Yeah, that's the story of our lives, isn't it? <laughs> At least it was mine growing up. I remember there was this girl, I just was infatuated with her. I used to just be in class and I would just stare at her. I was just, I know you're thinking, that's creepy, dude. <laughs> but then one day she turned around and she looked at me and she stuck her tongue out. <clears throat> it was in kindergarten. <laughs> I was devastated. I didn't do anything, you know. I just liked her and she stuck her tongue out at me and I didn't know where to go from there. How, how do you make someone love you? you? Scriptures tell us that we love him because he first loved us. And what Joshua did and what Moses did is he recounted to them God's faithfulness. God was always there for you. When you struggled, when you were weak, he was your strength. He provided what you couldn't provide. He did what you couldn't do. He is what you cannot be. And he is there for you. With the hopes that their hearts would be won over. With the hopes that they would see, understand, and embrace the Lord. And that's why he says, be careful that you love the Lord your God. It's not that you learn more about him. Be careful that you love him. Be careful that he has your heart, that he has your affection, that you desire to please him. At the end of chapter 24, Verse 31 says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. In other words, they had an understanding. They had experienced God's faithfulness. And so they served the Lord. And then verse 32 is an interesting verse. It says, And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver. The bones of Jacob? I mean, jo Joseph, what, what, are, what is that about? Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave them instructions about his bones. What were his instructions? They're in... 
Genesis chapter 50, he says, Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and say, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones from this place. So Joseph told them, when I die here in Egypt, don't leave my bones here. Because God has given us a promise. And so he dies They're in Egypt for hundreds of years. They become slaves. You guys know the story. They're then delivered by Moses, and we see in Exodus 13 that Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. They're getting ready to go. Now think about it. We're going to flee Egypt. We're taking our homes and we're moving Who's got the bones? It's on their mind. They can't forget the bones. Why? You see, they were connected to the promise of God that God gave to Joseph. And as they left Egypt, they said, we can't leave him behind. God has promised We are a part of his descendants. We are his family. This is our brother, our father. We cannot leave Joseph's bones in Egypt, even though they've been there for hundreds of years. And now we see at the end of Joshua, Joseph's bones are buried finally in the land of promise 500 years later. Why was it such a big deal? Because... We are connected to the faithfulness of God. God told Joseph that he would put his bones in his land, and here it has come to pass. We identify with him. We remember to take his bones out of Egypt. For wandering in the years, for 40 years, someone was carrying that bag of bones. And finally, they buried it. And what did it mean? It said, God, what you said is true, and we are a part of it. We are a part of your faithfulness. Now, we don't understand this connection so much. We move around so much. Our families are so scattered. We don't live in the same cities maybe as some of our family. We move from state to state. You know, I've got two of my boys now who are out of state. You can only talk to them on the phone or chat online. And so you don't see them that much anymore, and we become disjointed. We don't live in a single place and have a a central family. don't feel the connection that they did. And so it's easy for us to lose sight of these kinds of things and the importance that they were to them, that this was something they identified with. But we do have something that we do in remembrance, and that is partaking of the Lord's Supper where Jesus broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. What is he saying? My faithfulness to you is good today and it will be good tomorrow and it will be good every time you take it. You remember, you are connected to my faithfulness. You are connected to the promise that God gave to us that the Son would be born. 
that he would give his life a ransom for many. How do I know that's true? I'm going to give you something, a covenant. Just as Joseph made the covenant, take my bones, Jesus made the covenant, take my body, eat. It's my flesh broken for you. Drink this cup. It is the New Testament, the new covenant in this blood. And as often you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Corinthians tells us that we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. That word proclaim means we preach the Lord's death. We are testifying what he has done. He did for me. We are remembering and what we are trying to do is knit our hearts to the promise of God and to his love so that we don't just think about these things but we recognize them and give as much space as possible so that our hearts would be turned, that we would love the Lord our God, that he would not just have our understanding, but he would have our devotion. And as we partake, we remember him and we love him because he first loved us and he gave himself for us. And it's the love of God that leads us to make a change or leads us to repentance. Because you will serve what you love. What can we do to help you love Jesus? We want to remember what he did for us. And so Junior's going to come up and and we're going to have a time of worship And what we're going to do for the communion service, I I know that there are some here who perhaps are uncomfortable with partaking in communion. You don't have to. There's no one who's pressured here that has to come up and, and do this. It's a volunteer. We have the table set on both sides. And as we're worshiping, I pray that you would pray and ask God to connect his heart to yours. And you come up when you want to, Take the bread, dip it into the bowl, and then you could partake. If you want to take it back to your seat, you can. Again, there's no double dipping, okay? It's not salsa, people. Remember the Lord, what he's done. And what we are doing is identifying and connecting ourselves to what Jesus did for us. almost 2,000 years ago. We cannot forget what was done. We are connected to it, just like they remembered to bring Joseph's bones and said, this is who we are. We cannot forget the body and blood of Jesus because this is who we belong to. And so come and partake. We're going to worship the Lord at this time. And my prayer for all of us here is as we take of this bread and this cup that we would also remember how much he loves us. That we would recognize what he has done for us. And that what Joshua said to the nation of Israel, we would hear the Spirit speaking to us saying, you need to choose. Are you going to 
live for this world and the things of this world, even as John shared? Or are you going to love me? Because you can't serve me if you won't let go of the things that you love that aren't good for you. And so may this morning be a monument of when I let go. I said, God, I, I want to let go of this. I, I, I want to love you. Change my heart. Create a new heart in me. God, I'm recognizing what it is, and I'm turning towards you. You are holy. You are jealous with your love for me. And I want to respond. And as God moves upon your heart, come on up and partake. I pray you'd be meditative and prayerful throughout this time and allow the Spirit of God to touch and change your heart. Let's worship. Father, I believe that you have spoken to our hearts, that you have challenged us, that you have presented yourself in the choices that are before us. And Lord, it is now in our courts what we will do. And Father, may we resound like Joshua and say, as for me, and for my house, we will serve you, Lord. We will live for you. We will not give our hearts or compromise to, to any other. And Father, we will allow your work to continue within us. Father, that we recognize the things that hinder our walk with you, that blind us from seeing all of you. And Father, we want to put those things aside. We want all that you have for us. And Lord, we pray that what you've spoken to us here would continue long after we leave this place. Father, you have refreshed our souls. You've enlightened our minds. Lord, now we know the right thing. May we love the right thing and make the right choices. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.